Catskill. Welcome to the local edition. News and information from Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you made it through this snowy day okay. And if you're going to be trying to make it through any of the snow on the roads this season, keep listening because we have winter driving safety tips from the AAA. They'll be joining us in the second half of the program. But first up, it's also budget season in New York State. Kind of kicking off today as Governor Kathy Hochul started rolling out her executive budget. New York's budgeting process can be difficult to get your head around, but here on the Local Edition, we've got a great life hack. That's New York Focus. Yes, New York Focus, the independent newsroom doing in-depth reporting on how the state really works. They are our key to understanding the budget's fraught and meandering path through Albany politics. We're going to be checking in with them throughout this whole process. And today, we've got Chris Gilardi, Criminal justice reporter for New York Focus, looking at what the governor is asking for in terms of public safety, criminal justice, mental health, and more. Chris, welcome back to the local edition. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, before we really dive into uh, your reporting here and get talking about the governor and the budget, could you just d- explain to us where we are with this whole process and what the coming steps are? And I guess uh, to point out to people, we're recording this about 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday, January the 16th. Where are we with the process right now? Yeah, absolutely. So the as, as people may know, the, the budget in New York's a little bit peculiar in that the budget process is the main way that um, the state government passes its, its legislation. Obviously, we get all of our, our spending through the budget, but also a lot of our legislative priorities like come through the state budget process. And it's a big whole multi-month to do. And we're like right in the beginning of it. So last week, um, Governor, Governor Kathy Hochul um, gave her state of the state address, which she outlined um, kind of like our top line priorities and what she plans to propose in the budget. And then just today, she released what's called her executive budget, which is um, just like a package of her um, proposals for the state budget. It includes all the spending for the year and includes um, some of her legislative priorities. Um, We have seen so far today just what is called her budget briefing book, which kind of outlines um, some top dollar items and um, kind of like the top line items of um, what we'll see in her executive budget and throughout the rest of the day today, probably by the time this airs, we'll see the actual legislative text. So we're just starting to kind of get a sense of um, what she wants in the budget. Uh, a few weeks from now, the each legislative chamber, the Assembly and the Senate will propose um, their response. We'll, we'll get their proposed budgets. And then over the following weeks, um, after that, they'll they'll hash things out, they'll negotiate, and that's how we get our state budget. And then it might go over the deadline, which then it becomes a whole other round of drama. Right, yeah. The, um, the, the, so the deadline is April 1st for the state budget, but the past couple of years, since Hochul has become governor, um, they, they've gone over. I will say, like... A big reason that they've gone over um, the past couple years is because the legislature and the governor have taken a lot of time 
haggling over bail reform, which is, you know, has been the hot political topic in New York State the past couple of years. Last year, after the budget passed, uh, the governor said that she wasn't trying to touch bail this year. And so far, she's she's indicated that that's going to be the case. So maybe um, some hope for, for a, a more on time budget this year. But we'll see. OK, as far as what the governor is actually trying to accomplish and what the budget struggles will be over, the negotiations, Governor Hochul said last year that she doesn't plan to go after bail reform again. Is that going to change at any point as we get into the politics of this process? You know, I, I, it doesn't seem so. Anything can happen. Um, sources I've been talking to seem to think that she's going to keep her word on that and that New York's bail laws will pretty much remain the same. She, she went after them in her first budget process in 2022. Um, she um, rolled back the, the 2019 bail reforms a little bit. And then last year, she did some sort of like vague adjustments to the um, to the wording of the law in a way that um, supposedly gives judges more discretion to set bail um, it, during criminal trials and, and keep people in jail um, pre-trial. Um, but yeah, so, so the sources I've been talking to indicate that they haven't heard anything and that they don't think that bail will come up again. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I guess we can only know um, as negotiations uh, start unraveling. Okay, and what else are you keeping an eye on this process? How about uh, gun violence? That's something that the governor brought up in the state of the state. For sure. Um, so I'm New York Post's criminal justice, justice reporter, so I've been focusing on um, the public safety aspects of, of what the governor is proposing for this year's budget and this year's legislation. Um, gun violence has been a huge thing for Kathy Hochul um, since she became um, governor. I, I mean, there there was a big uptick in gun violence during the COVID years, and and she became governor um, sort of uh, at the peak of that. And since then, um, gun violence rates have have been on the decline, like toward um, toward like pre-COVID levels across the country and in New York State. Um, but she really um, over the past two budget cycles, put in a lot of um, new measures to crack down on gun violence. She added, um, just I guess I can just go through this like list here. Um, she increased funding for the New York State Police um, and the New York State Police's street cops that sort of patrol um, violence in crime-dense areas. They're known as the Community Stabilization Unit. She increased funding to them both in 2022 and 2023. Um, she funneled tens of millions of dollars in grants to local police departments to engage in, in sort of like similarly um, aggressive, like hotspot policing initiatives is what they're called. Um, she also funded or funneled a lot of money to um, police intelligence uh, that some like what they're, they're called fusion centers. Um, and these are sort of like, little intelligence hubs throughout the state where um, the various police departments can come together and like share information and intelligence about, um, you know, tracing guns or, or intelligence on, um, on perpetrators or suspects. Um, so she's funneled a lot of money to, to that sort of police intelligence sharing model. And she's also given millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars to hire new prosecutors to, um, yeah, to prosecute the people who the police pick up. So it's been a huge um, thing um, in the state budget for her, a huge priority. 
And in this year's state budget, she's not proposing to increase funding like she did the past couple of years, but but that should um, stay the same if, if she gets her way. You know, while we're on the topic, uh, because this is your beat, is criminal justice, I, I really took note of the governor in her state of state address was highlighting safety. So that was the crime portion. I thought it was interesting when she went big on domestic violence, saying that, you know, a lot of the headline grabbing crime is things that happen you know, randomly by strangers. But so much crime actually occurs from people, you know, that was her segue into uh, domestic violence. I thought, oh, that's an interesting twist on the typical politician going on about crime. Uh, but then she segued into things like the, the whole retail theft plan and all that stuff. So I was wondering, as somebody who, who's actually, this is your beat, how are you reacting when you are hearing that? And what are your thoughts on what she's trying to balance here? That's a great question. So yeah, she did. In, in, so in, in sort of keeping... Um, like these initiative levels pretty much the same over the past two years for gun violence. She's also sort of expanding her focus to, to other areas. One of them, yeah, is, is domestic violence. She's proposing um, about $41 million um, in new law enforcement initiatives um, to both police and prosecute domestic violence. And yeah, the, the other, the other big one she, she brought up was retail crime, um, retail theft. And what really has struck me so far in reading the materials and listening to her speak is um, it seems that she is more or less copy and pasting what she has done over the past two years when it comes to, to gun violence and putting that on to retail theft. Um, she So, yeah, when it comes to the New York State Police, I, I was talking about the community stabilization units earlier. That, that was her... Um, sort of way to boost the state police's capacity to combat gun crime. Now she wants to spend about $25 million to create and deploy a new state police team dedicated just to shoplifting um, and create this new, what she calls like a smash and grab enforcement unit. Um, in terms of funneling money to like local police departments, she, yeah, she um, gave a lot of money in the past few years to gun violence initiatives. Um, now she wants to give $5 million to local law enforcement to build out their sort of their retail theft policing initiatives. It's unclear what that looks like, um, but she wants to give them $5 million to do that. She also wants to, I was talking about the fusion centers and the intelligence sharing and how she has um, uh, used that to sort of combat gun crime. She also wants to turn that on to um, retail theft and create um, like a what she calls a clearinghouse to gather information from retailers and sift through it and disseminate it among um, yeah among law enforcement and among cops and again with the prosecution she also wants to to hire new prosecutors and um, give district attorneys offices money to um, yeah crack down on retail theft so it, it is it seems like she has when it comes mm -hmm. to crime she has a playbook. And um, whereas in the past few years, she's mostly uh, deployed that onto gun violence this year, she seems to be focusing on um, retail theft. And what do you think? Is this like a, a, a political maneuver just to try to get more people on board with what she wants to accomplish? Or is, is this meaningful to her? You know, that's a really fantastic question and something that's, that's a central question I'm hoping to report out over the next few weeks. 
It is. It's an election year. And as we saw when Hochul went up against Lee Zeldin, um, the the people to her right would can like really go after her for being soft on crime. I, I have to imagine that that is in the back of her mind. Um, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see how so the people on her right go after her for being soft on crime. It'll see. It'll be interesting to see how the people to her left um, take this new retail theft plan. It's it's one thing to sort of ramp up and crack down um, on on gun violence. Gun violence is like a horrific thing. I think everybody can ag- agree that it is it is truly horrific and and um, has the victimization is very real. Um, shoplifting is, is a little bit different. I think people on the progressive left um, are would be skeptical at um, throwing a lot of police and prosecution to put people in jail over a retail theft. It's also it's also a little interesting, like to consider how real the issue is or isn't. There's been a lot of reporting um, over the past couple months, um, like nationwide, on how um, like big retail and retail corporations created this very big moral panic over um, increasing shoplifting and increasing retail theft. And at least on like a nationwide scale, it turned out that that, that wasn't exactly right. In most, in most cities, at least, retail theft is down. Now, to Hochul's credit, to the governor's credit, New York is a bit of an outlier. Across New York State, I think shoplifting levels are, are, are roughly the same over the past few years. But in New York City, there's been a big uptick. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of like how real is this and what, what is like what are her motivations? It's, it's to be seen. And, and hopefully we can get some answers from, from talking to people who are close to her. And there's a there's a political breakdown even on that reporting that you're referring to of just the reality of this. Two headlines here on November 10th, the myth of a shoplifting crisis. Of course, that's from the Progressive magazine. Meanwhile, myth versus fact, the truth about organized retail crime, which essentially calls the myth a myth, is from the Retail Industry Leaders Association. So there's there's a real split narrative just on what the actual deal is uh, with this retail theft. Yeah, there is. And it's interesting because... Um, so crime statistics themselves are, I like to say this a lot and, and point out to it a lot to, to people who ask me questions about this. They're very fungible. Um, you can compare two different years and say that a certain type of crime is on the rise and take two different years and say that that same type of crime is on the decline. And also crime sociologically is a very complex phenomenon. So it is very easy to pick numbers to make um, your own point. I will point out that um, the New York Times and and Vox, which I think I could like rightfully describe as fairly middle of the road publication publications, um, had similar articles on this recently, um, digging in it and sort of um, not not I guess to the level of saying that it is an outright myth, but um, pointing out that what you know big retail has has been saying about shoplifting is is not exactly correct, at least over the past few years. Um, but yeah, it, it is. And I think the fact that the numbers are so fungible and you can make pretty much whatever point you want by, by picking out the correct or 
the statistics that support your point, um, really complicate this politically. I think Hochul can say something and her opponents can say another thing and opponents from another side of the aisle can say another thing and they're all sort of true. And so it, it really just kind of like boils down to like what what is your sort of legislative um, philosophy and, and where do you want to go with it? Sounds like we need some non-fungible crime statistics. That would That would help out. <laughs> that would help out. It's harder said than done, but uh, yeah, we we try to use them as often as we can. What can you tell us about what her plans are in terms of uh, budgeting, if anything, in terms of the mental health crisis? Yeah. Um, so this, I, I get. I we're still sort of digging in and still trying to like work through the details, but this seems to be Hochul's big push this year. It was the. Um, in her state of the state, um, like the book that comes along with her state of the state address, it was the num- it was the top issue. It was number one. Um, it's like a whole section in her executive budget book. She really seems to be putting forward a very large, ambitious plan to address what she calls the mental health crisis. Um, so far, given that I, I've only been able to dig at a pretty surface level, I guess my main takeaway. So far, is that it's it's very hodgepodge. Um, it, it's it's I guess all encompassing. She she seems to be like throwing everything at the wall when it comes to addressing the mental health crisis. Um, it's it is heavy on on policing measures. It um, it uh, purports to give um, new training to cops who um, are called in to approach um, people who are experiencing mental health crises on the street. Um, It kind of assumes that cops will be the one to handle that, which I think will meet some pushback from advocates and um, from more progressive members of the legislature. Um, And it also has a lot on hospitalization, including involuntary hospitalization, which I think... um, is a, is a very complicated issue and one that I hope to talk to experts about to like sort of decipher what, what best practices are and how much, um, and yeah, and what we know works and, and what maybe works and what doesn't there. Um, but also it's, it's, there's a lot more in, in the plan. Um, she wants to create um, a lot more um, housing units for people specifically designated for people with mental illnesses. These can be um, supportive housing units where people can live there and get direct services. It could also be like transitional units. Um, there's also sort of like halfway units um, between hospitalization and, and like individual living. Um, there's all sorts of um, social media sort of initiatives. There's uh, She really wants to expand access to mental health care. Um, so there's a lot in the plan and I, I it, it really seems to be um, one of her big, um, yeah, her big initiatives this year. And I'm excited to dig into it and um, read more about it. Finally, just one brief thing, uh, and you might not have much to say about this either, but for all the talk about crime in regards to this budget, are you seeing something that would make it easier to close prisons? What, what would that be, especially when, with so many other aspects of crime fighting are ramping up? Yeah, a a little line, I guess, in Hochul's material so far is that she wants to make it easier to close correctional facilities. Um, Even as, um, yeah, she's trying to to ramp up um, policing and prosecution of certain crimes. 
the incarcerated population in New York has been on the decline for a very long time, um, for, for decades. Um, and we're really at a fraction of what we were in terms of prison population in the 80s and 90s. Um, already, we saw a few prisons close um, after um, 2018 and 2019 when there were some um, reforms that went into place. And from I, I've spoken to some sources, nothing, nothing very official, still kind of like setting out the details, but it does seem like there could be some additional prisons closing and um, some more consolidation within the prison system, um, which would make sense. Like uh, there, I don't think the prisons are exactly overcrowded, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. As of now, it's really just uh, an indication from the governor that that's something that she would like to do. Exactly. And I think we'll, we'll have to see what the details are. Right. All right. Chris, anything else you want to let folks know? Um, I would just say go to nysfocus.com um, over the next few weeks to, to, to read more about um, the budget and what's unfolding. Chris Gilardi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much again. Great to be here again. And again, New York Focus is online at nysfocus.com, and we check in with New York Focus every week here on the local edition. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, winter weather, car, and driving tips from the AAA. Stay with us. Today on The Daily, on Monday night, the 2024 presidential race officially began with the Iowa caucuses, where the real drama was the fight for second place. I'm Michael Barbaro. That's Today on The Daily, from The New York Times. 6.30 on Radio Catskill, right after the local edition. Welcome back to the local edition. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And yes, I hope you are safe in the snow today. And I hope that we will all be safe if any of us have to be out there on the roads in the next snow event, too. And because of that, I'd like you now to welcome to the program right now, Patty Artessa, Regional Director for Public and Government Affairs for AAA. Patty, welcome to the program. You're more than welcome. So... Big picture, where, where would you like to start in, in advising people on this? First of all, good afternoon. And what I would say is before you start any type of trip, make sure that your vehicle is prepared for safe travel. Most importantly, check the treads on your tires and replace them if necessary. Again, make sure your windshield and rear window defrosters are in proper working condition. And one thing that is interesting is a lot of people think of their windshield wiper blades on the front of their windshield, but they really never consider replacing the rear windshield wipers. And they get just as much use as the front does, and they should be changed when you're changing the front ones. So just try to keep that in mind. Also, to keep plenty of windshield washer fluids in your reservoir, and I don't know why, but some people start to dilute it with some type of water. But please don't do that. Don't dilute the solution at all. You know, I actually took a ride trying to beat the, the big snowstorm that we had last week. I took a shopping trip as the snow was coming in. And I stopped at a gas station midway through the trip because I said to myself, I, I don't have any washer fluid. So I got washer fluid. I put it in the car. And no sooner did I do that, did it start snowing. And it would have been impossible to see if I hadn't filled up my fluid. 
Yeah, a lot of people forget about that, but in the winter, you really should keep an extra bottle just in your car or your trunk. Um, it always comes in handy, and it, it makes a safer trip for you as well. And it's always a good, good idea to have your vehicle checked by a mechanic before taking a, a bigger trip. And you can go on any AAA-approved auto repair shop near you. And if you're a AAA member, they give you a discount, which is wonderful. Now, what about tips for folks once they're actually out on the road? Okay, sometimes your windshields will start to freeze up. So to defrost your windows, set the temperature control to hot, and let the engine warm that up, which helps keep frost from forming inside, which a lot of time happens. If the windshields and side windows fog up, the inside, open a window slightly and set the fan to a high speed. That will clear that. I know that happened to me this weekend. I was driving out to Rochester, and that's exactly what happened. And, and I did open the window, and it cleared it up immediately. And also, during snow or low visibility, winter driving conditions, drive with your low beam headlights on to make sure it's easier for other drivers to see you. Another important fact is brake. Accelerate and steer gently, gradually and smoothly. A lot of people think, okay, when I start to scare the slide on ice, they slam on the brakes. Don't do that. Take your steering wheel very gently and point it in the direction that you want the car to go. That is a very important tip. If you encounter any type of snowplow or salt truck, allow plenty of space and never, never try to pass them. And you see a lot of that. People get frustrated. Sometimes the snowplows are side by side, and it's like, oh, my goodness, am I ever going to get there? What they're out doing is for your safety. So try to have a little bit of patience. Another thing you can do that's very, very handy is clean your headlight lenses. So even if you are driving and you stop for gas or remove the grime and slush that are on the headlight lenses, clear any snow and ice from your vehicle as well as <clears throat> Because what will happen is that snow and ice as you're driving along builds up on top of your car. And if you happen to put your foot on the brake pedal, that will fly off. The snow will fly off and it'll strike other vehicles and then they'll make it hazardous for that other vehicle. So always be sure to clear off the top of your vehicle as well. And a lot of people are always in a hurry. Try to obey the basic speed law anytime there's a possibility of icy roads. You know, don't try to get there quicker or faster by, you know, upping the speed. It's not worth it. You don't know where ice is built under the snow, and you just don't want that to happen, especially with the patches of black ice that are difficult or impossible to see. And you could see those more frequently on bridges, ramp overpasses, and shaded areas may become icy before other surfaces, so be cautious at intersections when stopping and starting vehicles and polish the ice. And it also will make it very slick. I know this weekend we had so much wind gust, and that can make your steering and ice more difficult. I know when I was driving to Rochester, if I felt like it, the wind was just picking the vehicle up and moving it. So it's critical to reduce the speeds during windy conditions. We we worry so much about the snow and the ice and the traction and the visibility. The the winds can really catch you off guard. And that's what happens because sometimes you're protected by buildings on either side of you or whatever, and then all of a sudden you could be in an open space. And all of a sudden you're driving into an open field space, whatever. And that's where the wind just picks up. And it and that's what was happening to me. I went from 
a complete downpour to then all of a sudden the wind picking up and picking up the vehicle up, it felt like, and then all of a sudden a complete whiteout all within 10 minutes. So that's how quick the climate can change and how the changing of driving the vehicle, you have to be ready for all of those different conditions because it can happen that quick, and it did to me. It was a great reminder. And more importantly, I would suggest before you even get on the road, make sure you have a snow brush. Make sure you have a shovel. Now, we saw what just happened in Buffalo this weekend. Again, it's good to have a shovel. It's good to have a blanket, extra water in your car. Um, Have an emergency kit. Just in case your car does break down and you can't go any further, you can put some flares out and other types of um, safety precautions so that other vehicles can see you. And more importantly, if you do see some cars pulled over or you see any um, trucks pulled over, please move over. Let them have that lane and the next lane next to it so that we do not harm that vehicle in any way or the passengers within that vehicle. Absolutely. Well, these are all good tips, and uh, I'll let folks know they can also be found uh, in an article online called AAA's Tips for Safe Winter Driving. Patty, thank you so much for going over all this with us. You're more than welcome, and safe travels to everybody. Please adhere to those tips, okay? Thank you, and have a great day. Patty Arteza, Regional Director for Public and Government Affairs for AAA, speaking to us earlier today. That's going to do it for the local edition. I've been your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to do it again. For now, keep listening to Radio Catskill, live streaming online at WJFFradio.org. Up next, we've got The Daily. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Bethel Woods Center for the Arts. Presenting Melissa Etheridge and Indigo Girls on the Pavilion Stage, August 21st. Tickets on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Ticket information at BethelWoodsCenter.org. From The River Reporter, RiverReporter.com. And from listeners like you who donate at WJFFRadio.org.